You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you here today. My name is David, and as uh, Donnie mentioned, I want to invite you to take one of those salt packets out of the offering bucket as it comes around there. If you're listening by podcast, we welcome you today as we're wrapping up this message series that we began several weeks ago entitled Good Eats. And if you want to follow along in your Riverside app, you can download the Riverside app. If you didn't know we have one, there is one out there. You can sign up for all those contribute groups and all those connect groups through there as well. And at the very top of my notes, digitally today. There are two links that you can click on and be able to sign up for any of those groups that you might find uh, helpful to you this summer. We'll continue throughout the summer with these set of groups, and then in the fall, we'll begin a whole new set of groups. Looking forward to that. But uh, we have some work to do today to land the plane in this particular series. If you are new with us today, we have been in a theme for the last year since September that we've entitled Bold Faith. And each month, we've been looking at various aspects of bold faith. And in this particular series, we've been saying that bold faith is the best thing that you've ever tasted. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look at one verse there, and then we're going to unpack what it means to us today as a very specific phrase that if you've been in the church world for very long, you've surely heard it said that Jesus makes this comment about us. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, if someone's invited you or you came in, we're so honored to be able to share this time together with you today. And we hope, as we receive communion in the middle of the message today, we hope that you'll become a person who decides to follow Jesus today. You can put your faith and your trust in this one that we follow that invited us to taste and see that he is good, that God is good. So as you're thinking about this particular message today, we had, we're on the back side of Memorial Day. Everybody have a good Memorial Day. It was beautiful weather. Didn't know if it was going to be good, but ended up being a great day. I want to invite you to take a quick moment And maybe you don't know the person next to you, but say hi to them, introduce yourself, and share with the person next to you. All the introverts are freaking out at the moment. I get it, but just play along for the sake of fun here today. Uh, I want you to share what was the best thing that you ate on Memorial Day itself. Who'd you eat with? Did you do a cookout? What'd you do? What was the best thing that you ate? Ready? One, two, three, go. So let's pray and we'll go home. (laughs) Best message you've ever heard. Remember what Donnie said? You never forget that, will you? All right. So I want to show you what I had on Memorial Day because I love pictures of food. Those of you who have social media accounts and follow me on any of that stuff, you'll see I'm, you know, I don't go anywhere exotic for vacations. I just eat. So uh, that's that's fun stuff. So uh, my, my family has been a part of an annual, what's called a beast feast. 
And there's a guy in our church, Roger Ray, who is the quintessential woodsman, hunter, trapper, killer of all meats, and then can fix it. And it's just ridiculously good. So I want to walk you through some photos to let you see what I had here. Uh, If you would, go ahead and put the first one up. So each one of these things has a uh, sign that goes with it. I don't know if you... So this is just common pig bratwurst, okay? So uh, anybody have some brats Memorial Day? No? I was the only one. Okay, common pig, number two here. Let's go to the next one. We had this chorizo, again, common pig, but it had a little bit more spice to it, okay? All right, who would eat this? Let me see your hands if you would eat this, okay? Uh, let's play along with the wheels we go through this. I wanna see who would eat what in the room, okay? Hey, by the way, if you're a vegetarian, got nothing for you this morning. This is a beast <laughs> feast, okay? Next, this is rabbit. Anybody ever had, let me see, who would eat rabbit? Who's, who has not had rabbit before? This was my first experience with rabbit. Okay, it was actually really good. This dude knows how to cook rabbit. Okay, next, we had elk. Anybody have elk for Memorial Day? <laughs> who, who, who would eat elk? Okay, you guys are sticking with me. All right, all right. Next, squirrel. Who, who has eaten squirrel? Okay, Be, keep your hands up. To those of you who have eaten squirrel, who has found hair in your squirrel before? Okay, that happened to me last year at the Beast Feast and I didn't do it this year. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Who would not eat squirrel? Okay, I just lost you. Okay, you all go home. I don't want you here. All right, let's keep going. This way, they're gonna get a little rougher here. Raccoon and possum. This was the best dish of the day. Awesome. How many have had raccoon or, or possum before? Anybody? All right, who would not eat this? Oh, now, come on, it's really good. I mean, it, it tastes like pulled pork. It's awesome. All right, so brace yourselves. This is gonna get worse. Here we go. Next. Rattlesnake, last year, he had it on the, on the skin still, so he had to peel it off, and I ate it that way. Who, have, who has had rattlesnake? Anybody in the room? All right, who would not eat rattlesnake? Okay, see, he did the work for us this time around because he, he uh, took everything off the bone and then he deep fried it, and uh, that was, that was uh, interesting, to say the least. It tasted kind of like fried chicken, so... Take a deep breath, and you've experienced Memorial Day with the Canards and all the other folks that get to experience this. It's always an adventure. I would never, ever, ever eat any of this stuff. Now, do we have any college students that are home? Glad to have our college students back. Anybody home that would, you know what, you just wouldn't be interested in this, but you might be interested in something else, because after you've seen all of this, you got to wonder what in the world was dessert, Okay, so do we have any college students in the house? Nisa's here. Okay, Nisa, come here. Welcome home. All right, I need Ricky's help. Come on up. Ricky's gonna help me out here. Here, just come right over here in the light. Okay, uh, we have what we had for dessert. Thank you very much. Uh, we have some of the leftovers uh, here, and we wanted you to have this today just to welcome you home from college, and we have some extra spoons in here. You can share it with some of the other folks that are here with you if you would like, but you don't have to share it at all if you don't want to, okay? It's your call. You all ready to see what we had for dessert? Well, let me show you on the screen first so you can see. Not so bad. We had those, and we had these right here. Klondike bars. Can we give it up for Nisa? (laughs) How many have... Now, that's a Klondike bar because we had a bunch of those, but I took a picture of what I ate because this 
is what we're gonna eat in heaven. Holy cow, this was amazing. Holy cow, get it? Holy cow, cow, look at that. It was amazing. Anybody had these? They're brand new, they just came out. I highly recommend them. Uh, enjoy. So now, shall we get to the message? Because that has nothing to do with anything other than just it's good stuff, good fun stuff. So uh, you have salt in your hands. And there's a very specific reason because of what Jesus says about who we are as his followers. And again, if you're not yet a follower, I invite you to listen in and experience what we're going to talk about today. Now, the interesting thing about salt is, in fact, if we could have the next screen up there, how much salt should we consume per day? Guys want to take a guess there? You got A, B, C, and D. How many say it's A? Anybody in the house? Okay, B. Who wants to guess C? Anybody want to guess C? Okay, D. All right, the answer is C. If you got it right, you can go on and go home. You get a pass. Now, here's the thing. Look at the next question here. How much assault does the average American actually consume? Okay, A, B, C, or D. How many think it's A? B, C, D, you would be correct. We consume way, way, way too much salt around here. In fact, if we would consume less salt, we would live longer, save thousands of lives per year. Who needs to cut back on your salt intake? Be honest, you're in church. All right, at the end of our message, you can come forward and talk to Jesus about that. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus is talking about those beatitudes that Donnie read right before he prayed. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those. He talks about all of those things there. And in those verses, he talks about influence. And the question that we want to land the plane with today on this Good Eats series is how do we influence this world? What does that look like for us as his followers? Because this is an issue, this is a subject matter that is awkward for many of us. This is something that is difficult for many of us. We're so glad that somebody helped us to find Jesus and actually began to follow him. But then when it's our turn to help others, we don't know what to do. We kind of mess it up along the way. It's a bit stressful. There's a strain that's involved with it and we feel awkward about it. And so Jesus makes a very clear statement that's trying to help us today. And then he lives it out. And we're going to walk through it. And interestingly, where we're going to end up today is actually the birthday of the church. Because today on the Christian calendar, if you will, is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that Jesus' church began, his movement began. And so we're going to look at what Jesus says. We're going to walk through communion. And then we're going to celebrate at the end because this thing that Jesus says about us actually became true. And we're going to see how that unfolded to the people in the first century and how it's still unfolding today. And here's the thing. Jesus' plan to influence this world is not angels. It's not skywriting. It's not hate signs. And it's not an audible voice. His game plan to influence this world is me and all of you. We're in this together. That's what we've been called to do. Every one of us has someone that we can influence, someone that we can help in this life to find Jesus, begin to follow him. For you, it might be somebody on your campus, in your classroom. For others of you, it's somebody that you work with. Maybe it's somebody that you're married to. 
somebody that you'd like to be married to, somebody that you used to be married to, somebody that you've not yet, yet, yet even met, but God wants to use you to be an influencer. So this is what Jesus said that day that he was preaching in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, the longest sermon that Jesus had recorded from us, for us from Matthew's gospel. Here's what he says in verse 13. Simply, you are the salt of the earth. Now, what does Jesus mean when he calls us salt? And interestingly enough, we're gonna look through four things real quickly. And the cool thing about this is is that Jesus was actually all of these things himself. And because he lives inside of us, we then have an opportunity to be this salt of the earth. He said that we already are that. How do we actually live that out? Because if salt is meant to influence, then we are supposed to participate in that, even when it's scary. So four things I want you to notice that I think Jesus means contextually then, and certainly it applies to us today. Number one, is that salt stings. Anybody ever get salt in a wound before? I was uh, out on a bike ride on Friday with my wife and her back tire blew out. And so I had to carry it from where I was because here's the, I'm the guy on the trail that when you see me, I have all the equipment and actually the tire, but I have no idea how to change it. <laughs> So uh, I have to depend on a good Samaritan. There were no good Samaritans that day. So uh, we're carrying it on the south side down there over to REI. And Amy would submit to you that it was about a two-mile trek that I was carrying this mic. I'm telling you as a preacher today, it was at least four and a half, maybe five. All along the way, I'm walking with this thing and sweat is just pouring down into my eyes and it stings. Anybody ever had that experience happen? Sometimes as salt, we're gonna have an influence in this world, an impact in this world that will be a little bit stinging. Sometimes what Jesus said pricked the world's conscience. It offended just a little bit. There was a purity about Jesus that sometimes when it interacted with others, especially those who said that they were followers or who said they were religious, Jesus had a confrontational style with them. And sometimes as salt, we sting. But if that's your only picture of us as followers, then you've got a completely uh, imperfect picture, an incomplete picture of what salt is all about. Because salt, number two, also seasons. And a follower of Jesus can bring flavor into situations. There's a vital significance. It's necessary to help flavor food. And our goal as followers of Jesus is to bring flavor, it's to bring seasoning to this world, to bring help to this world. Number three, salt stimulates thirst. A follower who's actually following Jesus and living like Jesus can help people that are around them to actually be thirsty for the things of God. In fact, you might be here today because someone around you lived in such a way that when you encountered them, you were actually hungry or thirsty for the things of God. See, keep in mind what Donnie read. In fact, if you look up above there in Matthew chapter five, you'll see that list of things that Jesus says. And when others see you and I comforting people, when we're living meekly, when we're living rightly, 
when we're showing mercy and embracing purity, when we're making peace, we're humbly enduring persecution, they want to know why we're different. And when we understand that, we can bring a preserving, we can bring a stimulation of their hunger and their thirst for the things of God. And number four, salt preserves. In that day and age, they didn't have refrigeration. So when they would catch fish, they would immediately take it, they would pack it in salt, or they would catch other things, they would pack it in salt. And there was a preserving influence to this world that this idea of salt had. And certainly for you and I, the primary way that we are salt is to be a preservative. And when we live as Jesus lived and we love as Jesus loved, we will have a preserving influence on those around us. And maybe you're here today because someone has had a preserving influence upon you. They've had an impact upon your life that makes you wonder, why are they different? Why do they come to a church in a mall? It's because Jesus is here in this place and he's helping us to follow him. And just as meat is kept from rotting and decaying by salt that is pure, you and I, in any situation we find ourselves in, on our campuses, in our classrooms, on those teams that we're a part of, in our workplaces, even in our neighborhoods, we can have a preserving influence on the world around us. And when people know that we're a follower of Jesus, it can actually cause them to want to change their behavior. They're questioning, they're asking good questions, and we're gonna talk about how we impact others with that. Now, you fast forward a bit, and you find yourself over in Luke chapter 10. Jesus has said, hey, you guys, you're the salt of the earth. I want you to be about helping this world to be preserved. I want you to help this world to experience me so that they might be thirsty. I want you at times to confront the ways that people are living in a good way, in a helpful way. In the middle of all that, I wanna send you out. But the challenge that we face as followers of Jesus as we go out preserving and going out to help others is that we don't know always what to say. Anybody relate to that? You don't know what to say, you don't know what to do in the moment when you're asked, why are you different? Or you have somebody ask you, why do you go to church? Or why, are you, why do you have your Bible? Why are you carrying your Bible around? And you don't know exactly what to say in that moment. Sometimes you've experienced conflict as you've been salt, haven't you? If you're a follower of Jesus and someone asks you or says, hey, why do you have that? Or why, do you, why don't you do this? They mock you, they ridicule you, or there's just a confrontation, there's a debate, there's an argument, and it feels like, man, I don't wanna be salt. I don't wanna do this anymore. And you have a fear. Anybody have fear when you're talking about being salt? Be honest with me. Okay, like five of you, awesome. The rest of you, you're doing great then. I've experienced that myself, but I've also seen it in dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of Christians who say, I have somebody in the world that I love, that I care about, that I want to influence, that God's called me to influence, but I'm afraid to do it because I don't know that I have all the answers. Or there's conflict, there's awkwardness, there's tension there, and I don't know how to manage that. And Jesus and Luke Ken gives us the key to all of this in my mind. It was years and years and years of following Jesus before I understood this principle that I want to share with you this morning because this principle has the power to alter how you live as salt in this world. How you live, Jesus would also say that we're light. How you experience that. So when you're getting ready to invite people 
into a relationship, you're investing in that and you're inviting them. What are you looking for? And Jesus in Luke 10 is sending out his disciples. He's sending them out ahead of him. And in these verses, he's gonna give us a principle that is a game changer for you and I in our workplaces, on our campuses, in our classrooms. Wherever we find ourselves where we're encountering people who need influence for Christ, here's what Jesus has to say in Luke chapter 10. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. I love what what Jesus says there. God is in charge. He is the Lord of the harvest. Take the pressure off of yourself. If his entire game plan is you and you alone, your picture of God is too small. So he says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into, notice, his harvest field. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's his Go, he says, I am sending you out. So he says, hey, I've already called you salt. Now I'm gonna send you out into this world. What should you be looking for? What should you be prepared to encounter? Were they gonna experience difficulty? You'd better believe it. Were they gonna experience persecution and hardship and rejection? You'd better believe it. But in the middle of all this, Jesus gives us a tremendous insight. Look at what he says next in these verses. When you enter a house, First, say peace to this house. And here it is. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. When you enter a town and are welcomed, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. You're looking, I'm looking as salt in this world for people of peace. What does Jesus mean when he says that? He means that a person of peace is someone who's open and receptive to hearing good news. They're open and receptive to hearing how Jesus has changed your life and how he can change theirs. If you're having an argument, a conflict, if there's a debate, if there's an ugliness to these interactions, then you most likely do not have a person of peace. And Jesus said, move on, they're not ready yet. Don't force it upon them. Don't shove it upon them. He says, look for people of peace, and when you find them, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. When, they're, when they welcome you in to that friendship, to that relationship, when they ask questions and you begin to share why Jesus is the one that you follow, you tell them the kingdom of heaven, God has changed me because Jesus has radically transformed my life. And they'll ask the questions and they'll be looking for that. And you this morning in this place, you might be a person of peace. You might be somebody's invited you here and you're a person of peace because you're open to the things of God. Maybe for the very first time in your life or perhaps for you, it was when you were younger, you went to church and all you thought of was just coming to church and it was a religious check the box off that you would do each week. But today you find yourself in a place where you say, you know what? Life isn't going the way that it should. I know that deep down inside. I'm missing something. Jesus is in this place today by the power of his Holy Spirit to help you to find your way to him so that you could taste and see that he is good, so that you could have that relationship with him, that he died, that he shed his blood, that he allowed his body to be broken for you and I to have. So perhaps you're a person of peace today who's gonna welcome Jesus into your life Now, some tips that I wanted to give you today, very practical tips here on knowing if there's a person of peace in your life. There are three things that I've looked for for the last few years 
that help me, three cues that help me when I'm looking for people of peace. Three things that I listen for on, a going, on an ongoing basis. You, it's easy to listen for them throughout the day. Three things that when they come up, it's very clear, oh, this might be an opportunity to invite them. This might be an opportunity to be salt in this situation. And I put them in your notes. And they're simply, when you're listening for this stuff, you're inviting them, you're looking for opportunities to invite them to experience God for themselves. You're looking for those opportunities. All that the disciples did over and over and over again was they would say, you know, hey, what? taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Or they'd say, hey, come and see. Come and see Jesus. We want you to come and experience him. Or they would say, here's who I was before I came to faith in Christ. Then I became a follower of Jesus. He radically transformed me from the inside out, and I'm completely different today. And now here's who I am as a result. I want to encourage you to begin to plan to look for these clues, to look for these cues that happen. Put them up on the screen. They're in your notes there. When you hear somebody say, you know what? When you say, hey, how, how are things going? You know, things are not going well. When things are not going well, how many of you know and understand that people look for reasons? They look for faith, perhaps, in God. When things are not going well, that's a cue. Maybe this is a moment for me to be salt. You might hear it said another way. I was not prepared for this. You fill in the blank. I was not prepared for this, for that, for the other thing. I was not, I didn't see that one coming. That could be a transition, that could be a job loss, that could be an economic collapse, that could be a relational breakdown, that could be a death, that could be anything. But when you hear somebody say, I was not prepared for that, it's another opportunity. And I'm not from here. When they say, I'm not from here, you quickly pray with them about their, their football team and invite them to love the Steelers. Then you invite them, that was a joke, by the way. Don't really do that. <clears throat> then you use one of these river cards. You use one of these Nexus cards if they're a student or they have students. Or you use one of these table cards and they're out there every single week for you to invite people to come to student events, to young adult events, to adult and children's events. That's why we provide these for you. You don't have to use these, but they're just tools that are out there. You can pick one up on your way or five up on your way out today to invite people that God might give you the opportunity to invest in. But you have to be looking for that. And if you're not looking, you will miss the cues. You will miss the clues that God might want to open a door for you to be an influencer, for you to be a preservative in somebody else's life. Now, just a couple of ways that the scriptures talk about how we're to actually do this. Colossians chapter four, the apostle Paul gives us some great insight. Here's what he says. Be wise in the way you act toward those who are outside the Christian faith. Now again, if you're not yet a follower, that's a little awkward because I'm having to talk. I'm like, I'm talking about you right now, but it's okay because we're so glad and we hope that you'll continue to keep coming because there was a day when we weren't following Jesus. Those, there was a day when we were outside that faith. So we're supposed to be wise. Notice it does not say we are supposed to be jerks. We're, supposed, we're not supposed to be arrogant or prideful or condescending, which is what happens far too often, especially if we're engaging with someone who's not a person of peace. So he goes on and he says, make the most of your opportunities. Let your conversation be always full of help me out Grace. Let's say it with authority. We are to have what? Grace, not condemnation. 
grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, again, you don't want too much salt, right? It's bad for the heart, bad for the body. Just the same way, when you're a follower of Jesus, what people do not need is to be totally drenched in your salt. They don't need you to condemn them. They wanna have an interaction with you that's healthy. But you know what it's like when you encounter someone, and maybe you've been on the other end of this, when there was too much salt, the person that came at you just was too aggressive, too condescending, too excited a little bit. Maybe you're not a person of peace. You wanna know what that's like? When you're a person that has too much salt and you're too aggressive, it's a lot like this. <laughs> you thought it was gonna actually be the salt, didn't you? <laughs> You guys, when you're done, can pick that up and put it back in. I appreciate that. I got to use that next service. So seasoned with salt, just a little bit. We don't have to be all aggressive. Here's how Peter put it in chapter three. Honor Christ and let him be the Lord of your life. Always be ready to give an answer when someone asks you about your hope. Give a kind and respectful answer. Notice, a kind and respectful answer. And keep your conscience clear. This way, you will make people ashamed for saying bad things about your good conduct as a follower of Christ. So Jesus says, you guys are salt. And then he says, I'm sending you out. Look for people of peace. And then, just when they thought it was all gonna go awesome, and everything was great, Jesus meets with them in an upper room. And darkness begins to take over. And that movement that had begun with Jesus' words that day was beginning to shut down. And in those moments, he's arrested. He's tried and convicted. He's crucified. He's buried, and the end of being salt had come. Things looked desperate. Put yourself in the story. You've heard, I'm supposed to go out and be salt. I'm supposed to be a preservative. I'm supposed to be an influencer. The guy that I was following is dead. That's where we find ourselves in these moments as we receive the communion elements together. I wanna to invite you to hang on to them. The team is gonna come and they're gonna serve you. They're gonna distribute the elements right there in your seats. I want you to hang on to them. And as they're being distributed and as Trey plays, I wanna invite you to think about this season of your life and how salty you really are. Have you lost your saltiness along the way? Is it time today to recommit to being salty again? Is there an aspect of your life that is less than what you would hope for right now as it relates to you being a preservative, for you to creating a thirst, for you to season the relationships and the situation you should find yourself? This is the time for us to self-examine. That's exactly what the scriptures teach us to do. So let's distribute the elements. We'll remain in an atmosphere of worship. I'll take us through. But the story's not done yet.
those words that Paul and Peter both penned from those New Testament letters to those followers talked about the hope that we have and how we're as salt to express and be ready. This is the hope that we have right here in our hands. That death is not the end of the story. That we serve a resurrected Savior who gave his body and his blood for us. And so Jesus, as we hold these elements in our hands today, we're humbled as we are every time we gather around your table. We're humbled that you invite us to partake of your broken body given for us that we might be made whole in our brokenness. We thank you, Jesus, for that sacrifice. Let's eat together. Lord, this cup that we hold in our hands is such a vivid reminder today especially that this isn't the end of the story either. That you have overcome our very worst. That it has been washed away. All of the thoughts, all of the words, all of the actions, all of our rebellion, all of our arrogance and our pride, all of our lust and our greed and our idolatry, it all has been swallowed up by your shed blood given at the cross. So as your sons, as your daughters, as those who claim your name, we say thank you. Thank you for washing away our sins and making them white as snow. We drink together with grateful hearts, Jesus. Thank you. You see, that night that Jesus instituted what we do every month together, join with believers around the world, he said that night that that was all going to be done, and they didn't understand it. But then all of a sudden, Jesus appeared again and beat their worst moments, their most fearful moments. And on the other side of his resurrection, that wasn't the end of the story. He said, hey, remember, I told you that you were going to be salt. And he said to them very clearly in Acts, you can look at it here. Luke records this progression of the story. In Luke chapter 24, he says, you're my witnesses. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You see, these ones who were supposed to be salt... These ones who were supposed to be light, they were in way over their heads, but they needed a bold faith. They needed a faith that would not be snuffed out when persecution and hardship and difficulty would come their way. He said, you're going to be witnesses, but don't you dare try to go and do this until you've been clothed with power from on high. They desperately needed that. And you'll see in Acts chapter 1 that he gave them, Jesus gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, 
which you have heard me speak about. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In other words, this bold faith that we've been talking about comes because of the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then it came true when they were all gathered together 50 days after the resurrection. Jesus sends his Holy Spirit. He had ascended 40 days and 10 days they wait and 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 they pray and they say, God, would you send us this power? God, would you give us this anointing? God, we want to be salt. We want to be light, but there is no way we can do this apart from the power of your Holy Spirit. And then, and then look what happens in Acts chapter two. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, all of them, every single one of them that Jesus had promised this power to. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And in that moment, the birth of Jesus' movement truly began that day. And Peter was radically filled. This guy who had denied Jesus, who had been restored by Jesus, this guy that Jesus said, you're going to be salt in this world. This guy that had been hiding in an upper room for fear of the Jewish leaders, for fear of the Romans, now stood in front of a crowd that day that were confused and astonished and bewildered and hungry and thirsty and ready, ready for something that God wanted to do in that moment. Look at what Peter says, because salt warns and salt pleads, notice what he says, with many other words that day as he preached. And his message that day, he warned them. He said, you know what? Jesus was the Messiah that you've been looking for. You've been waiting all of these years. Jesus was the guy. You killed him. But God raised him from the dead. Now say you're sorry. And you'll see in the verse there that it says that they did and 3,000 of them came to faith because there was a bold faith within Peter that he was to be salt, that he was to be a preserving agent in that world. And the church has not changed any in 2,000 years. We are still supposed to be filled with God's spirit. We are still supposed to be people of bold faith, followers who are to be salt in this world. Nothing has changed. Unfortunately, Jesus didn't stop in Matthew 5, verse 13. He kept on speaking. And he says this, because salt comes with a set of being of challenges. He warns us, if salt loses its saltiness, it literally becomes foolish. We make fools of ourselves. We lose that identity. He says, if we lose our saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out trampled underfoot. The truth is, is that most of the salt in Palestine came from the Dead Sea. And if it wasn't pure, it didn't work. And so there had to be a purity about the salt. And when a bad batch was discovered, it was thrown out and it was trampled upon. In fact, they'd even use it sometimes for fertilizer. You don't want to be fertilizer. In the same way, when we become impure, we lose our capacity to influence this world. What makes salt good is its purity. And so as we respond today, we got to check our motives. we got to check ourselves and say, God, is there anything within us that is less than pure? You want to use us. 
You want us to be salt in this world. Help us. We need your help. Who are you influencing today? This has all been about influence. Not arrogant, prideful, condemnation kind of influence, but a coming up and serving influence. It's about a preserving influence, about a seasoning influence. And yes, there will be times when we warn, but there will be times when we plead. So God, help us to be influencers that add value to this world. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come. We're gonna respond in worship. We're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with his power as he did that day. If you're not yet a believer in Christ, right there where you're seated, you could say to Jesus, would you save me? Would you help me to find you, to begin to follow you so that my life can have meaning and purpose so that my life and in my brokenness, you can make me whole. You can restore me. You can help me to live a life that not only is abundant now, but an eternal life with you in heaven. You may have questions. You may not have all the answers. You may have had really bad experiences with people who follow, who have left you confused, but today don't confuse his followers with him. Jesus is the one that you follow. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to get off this stage, and we're going to worship. I'm going to invite you to come and find a place to pray. If you want to be empowered by the Spirit, if you're ready to regain your saltiness, you may want to come and find a place to pray. There'll be people on either sides here that could pray with you today. Father in heaven, thank you, thank you, thank you for relieving these stories, this message of our Savior recorded for us, that we might be challenged to be salt in this world. Thank you for the people who have done that for us, who took a risk, who helped us to find you, who helped us to follow you. God, help us to be preserving agents, to be influencers in this world in a good, healthy, God-honoring way. Fill us with your spirit, I pray. Fill us with your spirit, I pray. Baptize us in your power again, not for our glory, but for yours, Jesus. We're hungry for it. We're thirsty for it. And you said those who would hunger and thirst will be filled. So God, I pray that you would do what only you can do today and fill us, God, with your presence. Fill us with your power. Bring your healing. Bring your wholeness to us today, God. Give us a bold faith and a courage that can come only from people who have been empowered by your Holy Spirit. We worship you now in spirit and in truth. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.